Hey, hey! My name is Stan and I really love traveling, and I love talking about it even more. So welcome to this episode of the podcast Traveling with Stan, where I take you on a tour of some of the most exciting cities around the globe. In today's episode I'll be taking you to a city that I believe hardly needs an introduction, but nonetheless deserves one. A historical metropole, a city of showy Baroque palaces, great music, traditional cafes, and an array of world-class museums. A bustling city that is grand and compact at the same time. A place where cultures mingle and life can be enjoyed to the fullest. After all, it does place often on the top list of the best cities to live in. Yes, I'm talking about Vienna, the capital city of Austria. In this episode you'll find out why Vienna is often associated with Christmas. Hint, it's not just for its many Christmas markets. What a pine twig hanging above a door means. And, why Vienna is all about the kiss. How to get there. Vienna couldn't be more perfectly located whether you're coming just to the city itself or are including it as part of a bigger European trip. Especially if you're looking for a nice entry point to the area of Central Europe. It lies in the eastern part of the relatively small country of Austria, close to the borders of Hungary, Slovakia, and the Czech Republic. That makes it a perfect stop if you want to also explore their neighboring capitals of Budapest, Bratislava, and Prague. In fact, for decades, it used to be the capital of a much larger Austro-Hungarian empire that would include much of its today's neighbors. Ruled by the Habsburgs for centuries, they left an impressive mark on the city with the monarchy coming to an end after World War I in 1918. Building gorgeous palaces and hosting lavish gatherings, they turned the city into an artistic, cultural, and scientific center. But Vienna's history spans all the way to the Romans, who fortified the city and called it Vindabona, then used it as a guard post against tribes coming from the north. Today, much of Vienna's history lays preserved and ready for travelers to admire. But the city itself is not conserved in time. It has evolved into a modern metropole which is also a home to many important international organizations. Even the United Nations has one of its four major offices here. As one would expect for a central hub like this, getting to Vienna is an easy affair. Whether you're coming by plane, on a train, or by boat, Vienna's international airport has direct flight connections all over the world. Its location on the banks of the River Danube means that it's a starting point or a major destination for many river cruises. And by train you can easily hop over to its neighbors in a matter of hours. As for when is the best time to visit, it's truly one of the cities in Europe that I can recommend at any time of the year. In winter, you have its famous Christmas markets. In summer, you can chill outdoors in its many riverside cafes and bars. And spring and autumn are great for exploring the city without the crowds. Whichever season you choose, you'll have a great time in Vienna. Do not miss. The awesome thing about Vienna is that it's very compact. Most of its top sites are, in fact, walking distance from each other. And to others, you'll get there easily by public transport or by hopping on a bike. The best illustration of this is the famous Ringstrasse or Ring Road, a beautiful boulevard 5.3 kilometers long that encircles the historical inner city that you can navigate on foot, by tram or on a bike. Within and along it, you can discover around 20 magnificent sites. It would make for an entire podcast to just go through them, so I'll mention just a few highlights. There's the Vienna State Opera House, a majestic building that puts on world-class performances in opera and ballet almost every night of the year. A short stroll from the opera through the well-kept Berggarten Park will get you to the Imperial Place, Hofburg, 
This grand castle complex used to be the Habsburg residence and is well worth a visit inside. With a number of museums and even a Spanish writing school, you can easily spend half a day here. If you do opt for any of the museums, pick an audio guide to appreciate the collections more. In fact, this goes for any museum in Vienna. Most of them have audio guides with English available and you'll find that this really transforms your experience. As for the writing school, it is one of the most prestigious writing academies in the world and it puts on regular performances of writers on its exclusive Lippitz Honor Horses. Just across the road from Hofbeck is another set of impressive historical buildings located on Maria Dersenplatz. You can't miss it, there's a huge statue of Maria Theresa in the middle. The Kunsthistorisches or Art History Museum houses one of the most important art collections in the world. And opposite, there's the Museum of Natural History with Dinosaurs, the Venus of Willendorf, a tiny figurine considered one of the oldest works of art, and even the biggest meteorite collection in the world. It often puts on special exhibitions which are a treat in themselves. If you're more into modern art, then just across the road from these two museums, there's Museum Cartier or Museum Neighborhood. It's especially lovely in summer, when you can hang around its courtyard in one of the cafes and discuss the exhibition that you just saw. A little further on from here is the Rathausplatz, a square with a park and the city hall. There's always something going on here and the place usually tends to be quite lively. In summer, there's for example a food and opera festival. And in winter, you'll find a huge outdoor ice ring here along with the most popular of all Viennese Christmas markets. It's actually one of many, as there are now more than 15 of them scattered across the city. The one at Rathausplatz is usually the most visited, but there are better ones, such as those in one of the small lanes with artistic shops in Spittelberg, or the one with handmade items at Karlsplatz, or the ones within a royal setting at the Belvedere Castle or at Schönbrunn. I'll get to both of these castles in a minute, but let's stay in the inner city for a while longer and wander into its streets and alleys. Walking through them you'll find an array of shops, as well as restaurants and cafes. And in its very heart is the Stephansplatz with its unmissable St. Stephens Cathedral. With its colorful roof and tall spiky tower, it's one of Vienna's most recognizable symbols. If you want to enjoy a splendid view of the city and feel like getting a bit of a workout in, then I suggest getting up the cathedral's south tower. It will only take you 343 steps to get there, but the view is very well worth it. Once you've caught your breath and have gotten down back to the square, the area around Stephansplatz, the place for some shopping. And a little further, in Graben, is where you'll find the more upscale brands. Now that we've covered a bit of the inner city, it's a good time to go a bit further. I've already mentioned Belvedere and Schönbrunn. Each of these castles is situated in a different part of town, so if you're pressed for time, it's better to pick just one. Belvedere is the quieter one. And being close to the main railway station makes for a great start to the tour of the city if you're coming in by train. It is surrounded by a beautiful garden that is popular with local runners. But it is most famous for its magnificent art collection of Gustav Klimt, a famous artist from the Vienna Secession era. Especially his painting The Kiss. You've heard about The Kiss, right? If not, Google it, as it will be popping out at you from every souvenir shop in town. The busier and bigger Schönbrunn is a bit further from the historical center but still easy to reach by metro. The once summer residence of the Habsburgs, it's one of the most visited palaces in Europe. It's set in a lush garden that features a maze, a rose garden and even houses the world's oldest zoo. Again, this is a place where you can easily spend an entire day, wandering the palace's interior and then chilling out in its amazing park so plan your visit accordingly.
Fun fact. Viennese love to celebrate Advent and Christmas, as you've probably guessed by the number of Christmas markets that I mentioned the city puts on every year. But did you know that the snow globes originally come from Vienna too? Yes, I'm talking about those miniatures locked in a glass globe that you shake to magically have snow floating inside. The first snow globe ever invented was by an Austrian guy called Erwin Percy. And his invention quickly became so popular that together with his brother, they opened a shop in Vienna. The same shop still makes snow globes and distributes them around the world to this day. And there's even a small museum on site. So, if you're looking for the perfect keepsake or gift from Vienna, there you have it. A miniature snowy Stevens Cathedral or the City Hall in the palm of your hands. Or maybe something more whimsical like a snow globe with a sacrotort or even toilet paper roll. The motifs vary from the more serious to touristy to the more cheeky ones. Try this. Now that I've mentioned the quintessential cake associated with Vienna, the sacrotort, I think it's high time to dive into the culinary world that Vienna has to offer. It's a bit strange to start with the dessert, but heck, why not? Let's make life sweet. For those few who have no idea of what a sacrotort is, think of a hearty chocolate cake, with a fine layer of apricot jam, topped with some more chocolate served with a dollop of cream. Sounds filling? It sure is. For the original, head over to Cafe Sacker, just opposite the Opera House. If you're not feeling hungry enough for the entire cake, ask for the Satcherwerfel, which is a small square slice turned into a little cake itself. While we're in the vicinity of the opera, I have to highlight one simple street food fare loved by locals even when they're coming out of the opera in the late hours. The Bitzinger sausage stand just behind the building has been selling hot dogs and sausages for years. And yes, it might be a bit of a strange sight to see ladies all dressed in their finest opera attire feasting on a hot dog on the side of the road. But that just gives you an indication of how much people love the place. Another typical Viennese or Austrian specialty to go for is Wiener Schnitzel, a piece of breaded thinly pounded veal served with boiled potatoes or salad. The most authentic place to get one, or any typical Austrian fare, would be in a Beisel, which is a kind of bistro where locals usually go. Now, given the multicultural aspect of Vienna, there's no shortage of cuisines from all over the world to choose from. And you're bound to come across Turkish, Asian, or just as well any type or worldly restaurants all over the place. There's one place, though, that I'd recommend checking out, as it has many diverse restaurants concentrated in one spot, plus a bustling food market to get your groceries at. It's called Nashmart, which loosely can be translated as a place for munching, and it's beloved by locals and foreigners alike. It gets especially crowded on Saturdays, as that's when a flea market takes place at its very end. But it's still worth a visit. Just brace yourself for some shoulder rubbing and keep an eye out on your belongings. Act like a local. So, you've seen the major sites, tried out the local food and navigated the bustling Nash market. What is there else to do in Vienna especially if you want to escape the crowds? Well, plenty. It all depends on your taste really. If you'd like to immerse yourself a bit more in the foodie experience, I recommend a visit to one of the Hurigens in the city's outskirts, such as Grinzing. A Hurigen is basically a wine tavern and in case you didn't know, Vienna is surrounded by vineyards. So, Hurigens are the best place to go and taste some local wine accompanied by some homemade snacks and small meals. The fun part is that not all Hurigens are open at the same time, so that every winemaker gets his turn. To find out which one is open at a given day, you just need to look out for a pine twig hanging above the Hurigens door. Or consult an online calendar. To get moving a bit after all that food and drink, 
There are plenty of parks and outdoor spaces in and around Vienna. But a favorite of the locals is for sure the Donauinsel, an artificial island in the Danube River not far from Vienna's center. On weekdays it's packed with Viennese out on their morning run or families out on a bike. And come summer, it turns into a fun outdoor venue with bars and even artificial beaches where people hang around and enjoy the balmy summer nights. Last, but not least I have a recommendation for those of you still young at heart. The Prater is both an amusement park and another vast green area to stroll around and relax in. It's actually one of the world's oldest amusement parks. And even though many of the rides have been, obviously, modernized, don't expect it to be anything like Disney World. On the other hand, it's got a nice vintage feel to it and still makes for a fun day out whatever your age is. The biggest attraction being the giant Ferris wheel from which you can admire the Viennese panorama. I hope I have given you a bit of an overview of what you can expect to see and do in Vienna. Although with a city of this scale and history we've only managed to scratch the surface. And sorry for my terrible German pronunciation. As you can hear, I am far from being a native speaker. You can find all the information from this episode at TravelingWithStan.com, or you can also find other podcasts from our series. If you like this one, don't forget to hit follow so you don't miss out on the next episodes. We are on the socials as well. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a review, or rate us on Spotify. It means the world to us. Pun intended.